0: Well, good morning. Great to be with you this morning. You doing all right? Yeah, yeah good. Yeah. Hey, we're in part, week five of a six-week series called Basics, The Secrets to Human Flourishing. And we, I've said this every single week. We might as well... Uh, continue it this morning, that um, no matter what discipline uh, or industry, there are certain basics or fundamentals that lay the foundation for thriving or being successful uh, in that particular industry or discipline, whether it's the arts or uh, athletics, engineering, uh, business, and the same is true with life. We just don't think about it a whole lot, that there are basics or there are fundamentals that are the very bases for uh, flourishing or thriving, and the Bible calls it wisdom. And we've said wisdom is this every week, that wisdom is the skill. It's a skill to be developed. Uh, It's not just information to know, but it is a skill that you develop over time uh, of living life well in God's universe. Next week, we're going to dive into, I think, uh, a really critical concept. And when we're talking about image and beauty, the sermon title is called Skin Deep. This morning, we're talking about wisdom with our words. The title of the message this morning is called Chatterbox. Um, And so I think we live in a world we use a lot of words. There's a lot of chatter going on, but how do we navigate uh, this world and specifically social media and all this going on wisely with our words? Um, Words are powerful, aren't they? Yeah. I I remember I was in sixth grade. Now, just so you know, sixth grade um, was my year. I I mean, I I was the man. I did peak early, uh, so I was hoping for a little bit later, but it was my year, 6th grade. I hope everyone gets a year. 6th grade was my year, and it was awesome. I mean, the girls liked me in 6th grade, and then 7th grade I hit more puberty and uh, acne and all the rest hit me uh, there. But you know the one thing out of my year that stands out more than anything else of 6th grade was one singular comment by a guy named Nathan Guy that I used to play football with in the big grassy field of our uh, middle school campus. One day, and I mean, I, I can literally remember, I can draw it to my attention, you know, as if it happened yesterday. One day, with all the girls that liked me, there's two or three, but it felt like a lot, <laughs> and everyone else standing around, he just started pointing and laughing. And he pointed out this. It's like pools of wax in your ear. That's his voice in my head. That's how he sounds. Had a very deep voice for a sixth grader. Now, listen. To this day, 36, almost 37, I clean my ears out every single day. (laughs) To this day, this morning, took a shower, it feels like something is not right if I haven't gone with the Q-tips and cleaned out my ears after that. His words, a random word from a sixth grader, still impacts me on something just so trivial or minor that I'm, my habits and my daily routine every single day. Our words are so Incredibly powerful. In fact, the author of this proverb wrote this He says, The tongue has power. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. We've all experienced this, we've all had that moment of where the coach, maybe a parent, grandparent, a teacher, a mentor, spoke just that right word in that time when you were discouraged and you are ready to give up and it kept you going. We've also had where that parent, that coach, that harsh, demanding, you're no good, you'll never measure up to anything, you're a failure, you're a loser, you're lazy. And those labels began to take on a whole life for us, didn't they? And there's someone's word just spoken like that. And it started to shape how we live out our lives. See, words are powerful. Now, think about this, think about this. When I read this verse... I have so often thought other people's words are powerful. Other people's words have the power of life and death, but my words don't. Who am I? What, what, what does my word really matter? Why should I say anything and it have any impact It was Nathan, a sixth grader, pointing at my ear and still impacts me today. Your words, my words, they're powerful. They are either going to breathe life into someone or they're going to kill dreams. Whether it's a friend or spouse Our words and what we say is incredibly powerful, and here's what we know. The old adage, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is absolutely, unequivocally false. And what's great about it is this proverb was written 3,000 years ago, and it's not just our personal experience. We actually have neuroscience to show us that our words are actually powerful. Our words, by the way, it, it impacts not only others, but they impact us as well. It's, it's unbelievable that, that words actually bring life or death. They actually, not just for other people in our experience, but literal life or death. Let me go through some of the ways that our words have power. Uh, And specifically when looking at the science behind our words. Uh, The power of our words, uh, did you know that complaining rewires your brain? It like literally rewires your brain. Repeated complaining rewires your brain to make future complaining more likely. Over time, you find it's easier to be negative than to be positive, regardless of what's happening around you. Complaining becomes your default behavior, which changes how people perceive you. Scientists describe this process as neurons that fire together, wire together. There's research at the University of Stanford that's shown uh, that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, an area of the brain that's critical to problem-solving and intelligent thought. That just happened in our complaining. Is that crazy? That when you complain, part of your brain shrinks. You do brain damage. You are damaging your brain by complaining. That's what it's saying right here. When you complain, your body releases the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol shifts you into a fight-or-flight mode, directing oxygen, blood, and energy away from everything but the systems that are essential to immediate survival. One of the effects of cortisol is that raises blood pressure, blood sugar, so that you'll be prepared to either escape or defend yourself. Your words have the power of life or death. Complaining rewires your brain, and criticism sticks like Velcro to your brain. It's interesting, Uh, Dr. Rick Hansen wrote this, that the brain is like Velcro for negative experiences, but Teflon for positive ones. He says that at least two regions of the brain, the amygdala and the medial prefrontal cortex, work harder when processing criticism and keep the brain from doing much else. When you receive criticism, your brain goes into overload and begins to focus completely and solely on the criticism. Positive experiences have to be held in our awareness for more than 12 seconds in order for the transfer from short-term memory to long-term memory. That's why when you walk away, the thing you remember is that criticism. Everything. There could have been so much good, but you walk away immediately and what you remember is that bad experience. In fact, research shows us that it requires 5 to 10 positive experiences to offset or negate a negative one that that criticism it, it's like velcro your brain just immediately sticks to it what's interesting gratitude reduces stress and improves your mood did you know that gratitude's good for your health it impacts your health if if complaining is doing brain damage gratitude is like doing you know brain feeding? I don't know. I don't have a good... You come up with it. Gratitude reduces the stress hormone cortisol by 23%. Research conducted at the University of California, Davis found that people who work daily to cultivate an attitude of gratitude experience improved mood and energy and substantially less anxiety due to lower cortisol Levels. Complaining rewires your brain, criticism sticks like Velcro, and cr- gratitude actually gives you life. It's not just good for other people, it's good for you. It's not just that you're a nicer person, it actually is helpful to your health. And finally, attitude is highly contagious. I love John Maxwell had said this that your attitude is the most contagious thing about you. Research confirms that. Human beings are deeply social and engage in what's called neuronal mirroring. We unconsciously mimic the moods of those around us. Uh, Negative perspectives are far more contagious, by the way, than positive ones. Your attitude, my attitude, is contagious. It's catching. That's why, you know, the people that there's that one person that's a drain in the office and the minute you around them, you're like, yeah, life sucks. <laughs> and it happens. See, our words are incredibly powerful and way more important to your own health than you ever perhaps realized. And since our words are powerful, I want to give us some, some things that are practical, I want to talk about what I'm calling not-so-common-sense, and and then we're going to close with what I believe is really the heart of the issue and getting uh, to the core of what I believe is our response this morning. But our words are powerful, and so we must embrace what I'm calling not-so-common-sense. And it's really common sense. It's just we've forgotten it or we disregard it or perhaps our mamas are... Dads didn't teach us it anymore, or we think it doesn't apply. This is nothing new, but it's so incredibly important. Our words are powerful, and so I want us to get this idea. And imagine, imagine, before I say it, imagine what, uh, what the world would look like if, if everyone applied this not-so-common sense. Imagine, imagine what politics would look like. It, imagine what social media would look like. It, imagine how your workplace and your relationships would look like if we just applied this one, one thing. It's this. Before you speak, stop and think. I mean, just imagine Just imagine what your workplace would look like if before anyone spoke, they stopped to think. Imagine, and I don't know what what you're on, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, maybe you have a Finsta, that's a fake Instagram, so you can share what's really going on and not really offend anybody, but really be you, uh, whatever. It's true. But imagine if before you posted, You stop and thought. In fact, just do it with me because I want this to be drilled in. I want us to walk away. Would you just say this with me? Before you stop and think. That's very good. Let's try it again and say it with me. Before you speak. Very good, very good. Before you speak, because our words are powerful. In them they hold life and death for others and for ourselves for you, for your health. They're incredibly, incredibly powerful. And so before you speak, stop and think. I just want to give you four questions to sit on, to wrestle with. That, that would maybe perhaps be a filter for you. That would help you to process. Before you let that go right out. I can't believe I just said that. Before you speak, stop and think is it true? Is it true? A lying tongue hates those it hurts and a flattering mouth works ruin. Did you know that in a 10-minute conversation with a stranger, people on average lie three times? We live in a world where we're, and we'll talk about the image world next week. But we want to everyone else to see us as better than we are. And so we tell even just white lies. We tell things about how we're doing better in a certain area. Maybe it's to get a job. I mean, I've certainly seen it with those that wanted to be paid a little bit better and they lied about what they made at their previous job. Wanted others to think more highly and so that, that post on Instagram, that post isn't, doesn't really show reality. It's just, a, it's just a picture. Before you speak, before you post, is it true? A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. In fact, research shows that gossip doesn't just influence your opinion about people. It actually influences how you see them. And there's something about it that we always want the inside scoop. We always want to hear. We always like, oh, oh, I just want to, come on, come on, come on. In fact, someone started to share something. I'm preaching on this, okay? Someone started to share something, and it was about to go to cross the line of, you know, it could have been a prayer request, you know what I mean? Um, But it wouldn't have been. It just would have been straight up gossip. And in my soul, I'm like, I so want to hear this but I'm preaching on the tongue this week, and so I can't. Every other week, I... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, and this person's a real godly person. They caught themselves, and, and I wanted to ask, and just left it there. But is it true? Is it praiseworthy? Is it notable? Is it good? Before you speak, stop and think. Is it true? And is it helpful? Is it beneficial? I mean like I'm adding to the pool of meaning and is it helpful? Is this gonna be beneficial to the other person? Is this gonna be beneficial to the conversation? Or is it detrimental? Is it harmful? Am I just saying this because I wanna be heard and I wanna get my voice out and I'm frustrated and so I'm gonna let it out? Imagine. Imagine what wouldn't be said in social media, if we ask this question, there are times, I just got to be honest, because I wrestle with what to share and what not to share when it comes to the online world. And I, 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 this question over and over, is it helpful? Delete. So many times, just delete. I don't think it's helpful. It doesn't add uh, anything that's, that's going to be beneficial to this conversation. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. See, not even what you say, but how you say it makes all the difference, doesn't it? Is it helpful? Is how you are saying it helpful? I have a right to be angry. He's a jerk. I have a right. He cut me off, and trust me, I get that one, okay? I have a justice gene that is like solid, okay? So when someone unjustly cuts me off, I want them to know it, especially with a stare. My wife's always like, why do you have to stare at them? Just go on, because I want them to know, I'm going to withhold any other extremities from making any sign language. But my eyes, you're going to see it in my eyes. A gentle answer turns away wrath. I remember one time, uh, this verse has helped me so many times, but I remember one time uh, we were in a movie theater, and I was with my kids. My wife wasn't with me, and my parents were going to join us to watch a movie. It was a long time ago, so remember when the Karate Kid movie came out, the new Karate Kid movie? It came out, remember that? Yeah, okay, whatever, you don't. Um, and so I'm with my kids, and my parents are coming to watch it, and uh, my one son was kind of kicking the back of the seat of the guy in front of him, and I mean, he he like yells at my son. And, um, and I'm angry. Because you can mess with me, but don't mess with my kids, right? You know, Papa Bear's going like, you know, fight or flight. Here we go. I'm going to knock you out. Mama said, knock you out. Hey, here we go. And, and, and I'm like, really wrestling. How do I respond in this situation? What do I do? And then my parents are showing up, but I have their tickets. I bought their tickets. So I had to leave my kids in there with the crazy man in front. And I'm going like, oh, good Lord, what's going to happen? And I go get, bring my uh, parents back in. And this verse came up, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so as I walked past this man, I leaned over to him and I said, you know, sir, I didn't notice that my son was kicking your chair. I'm really sorry. That won't happen again. That must have been annoying. You know what he did? He got up, stood up at me. I'm like, oh, right. What is it? <laughs> Here we go. No <laughs> lie. This, 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 this ain't preacher talk. This literally happened. He does this. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> okay, sensei. I don't know. Like, Like, what do you do with that? I've never had that. I mean, I I looked at him. I kind of sized him up earlier. I'm like, I think I can take him. He's shorter than me, but he must have been a black belt. I probably couldn't have taken him. Is it helpful? Is it beneficial? A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And a person finds joy in giving an apt reply. How good is a timely word? How good is a timely word? How good? I'll share in a little bit, but my Wednesday was pretty rough, pretty hard. On Thursday, I went out to lunch with a friend. And he said, you know, for what it's worth. Man, every week I come to awakening, I just feel like what you're teaching on is right for me. and It's just been so good. And what you wouldn't ever know is like when you prepare things like this and you put up, you know, like put it out there, it's very vulnerable. And you don't ever want it to be like, do you like it? And do you like me? But there's a part of that. And I had a rough week. And How good is a timely word of having a word of encouragement? Never underestimate a specific word of encouragement, by the way. Your words, let's bring it back to you. Your words are powerful. Your words of encouragement are powerful. Go specific, not general. Instead of, you're really good at stuff. That doesn't like encourage anybody. Wow. The way you love that person and engaged with them was just incredible. How do you do that? So good. Never underestimate the power of a specific encouragement. So, before we speak, we're going to stop and think. We're going to ask, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it kind? The world can be a nasty place. You know it. I know it. Yeah. We don't have to fall from grace. Put down the weapons you fight with and... Kill him with kindness. Kill him with kindness. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him with kindness. Words of the prophet Selena Gomez. <laughs> and the question, is it kind? Is it kind? Now, unfortunately, today we've confused kindness and niceness. See, niceness often says, I- I'm just going to smile to your face and talk behind your back. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Kindness says, I'm going to love you, and I'm going to be for you. And it's actually way more kind to speak the truth in love than to never say anything at all. I want you to notice the, the proverbs that I put in when it comes to kindness. Kindness. Could have chosen a lot, but Proverbs 28, 23 says, "...whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue." And often we would confuse a flattering tongue as being kind, and that may be nice. It is not kind. And we've all seen it often in the work environment where no one's had the conversation and everyone's working around that one person. Everyone's talking about that one person, yet no one's had the guts, the fortitude. No one's been kind to that individual. No one said, you know what? You have a lot of skills and gifts, but the way you're reacting in this situation is not good. See, the question is, is it kind? Is it Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and the needy. You know, as followers of Jesus, I think, dare I say or be so bold, that the way we speak up often alienates people from Jesus, especially on social media. I just wonder if we shifted from our own petty things and said, you know know what I'm going to speak up about? It's for those who don't have a voice. You know what I'm going to speak up about? It's for those who are being unjustly treated. And that's kind. It's incredibly kind. It is not kind to look the other way, to do nothing. Someone that I deeply respect, um, Felicia Larson, who, I think, does this so well. She is engaged in the issue and the tragedy of human trafficking in the Bay Area, like few that I know, and speaks up and speaks into and gets after it and says, "These people do not have a voice, and so I will be their voice." Before you speak, stop and think. Is it true? Is it helpful? is it kind and finally have i truly listened the harvard business review published an article a couple years back entitled if you want people to listen stop talking and it, it the author wrote all about the power of actually listening in meetings and how that gives you influence with others You'll notice that I put three proverbs under this one and two for the others because I think we need this one. If my wife is right, and she generally is, I need this one. Have I truly listened? My mama said it this way, Ryan, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Listen twice as much as you talk. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and discerning if they hold their tongue. Do you see someone who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than them. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions." And we do that all the time, especially online. And there's really complex issues in our world. And sometimes we air our own opinions with very simple responses that don't address the complexities of them, do we? And the question is, have I truly listened? Everybody wants to be heard, and yet in our society, our world today, nobody wants to to listen. Have I heard you before responding to you? Is so incredibly powerful. Our words are powerful, the power of life and death, not only for others, but for yourself. And so before we speak, I'm going to stop and think. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Have I listened? But there's there's one more part to this. And Jesus hits on the central problem when it comes to our words. Because it's not enough just to have a filter and to ask good questions. That is important. But Jesus is actually going to explain why with the people that you say you love the most and you do love the most, you react in anger. Why, you can have a good filter and put on a good face over here, but this circumstances, and all of a sudden, boom, this comes out of your mouth. He's going to explain that your words represent far more than what you say. He says this, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes. Okay, gotcha. Grapes from briars. Thank you very much, Jesus. A good man brings good things. What? Listen, out of the good stored up where? In his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil where? Stored up in his heart. Now listen to this. I, I separated it. It's part of the paragraph there, but I just pulled it out so we'd see it. For the mouth speaks. Listen, this is so important. Don't miss this. What the heart is full of. One translation says it. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying that anger issue isn't an anger issue. It's a heart problem. That that little white lie that you constantly do for no reason isn't just a little white lie problem, it's it's a heart problem problem. That gossip that you keep going back to to want to just always be on the end and dish the dirt isn't a gossip issue. It's a heart issue. It's a pride. is isn't just a pride issue. It's a heart issue. That, that jealousy or that bitterness that comes out in just that passive-aggressive way where you're just talking to others or it just seeps out isn't just that. It is fundamentally a heart issue. See, Jesus is saying this. If you want to know what's in your heart, look at your words. If you want to know the condition of your heart, what spills out of your mouth when you're bumped? When circumstances don't go the way you want them to go? When life throws you a curveball? When your boss is a jerk? When that person that just always annoys you shows up? It says, what spills out in that moment reveals what's in your heart. And see, our words are powerful, yes. And so before we speak, we're going to stop and think, but it has to go one step further than just that. We have to get to the place where we go, okay, my words reveal what's in my heart. And so it's way more than just what I say. It's about my heart. let me just be real, like, honest with you. Wednesday was a hard day. It started out weird. I I went to go work out uh, with my buddy, and we do every Wednesday morning early. And I was, like, out of breath, like, gasping for air. We just normal workout. And he's like, he's asking me, like, heart attack questions. I'm like, no, 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 it's not a heart attack. I'm young. It's not. (sighs) I get to the office, and I stop. I'm trying to, you know get my heart and mind around the sermon and and I just came to this realization, man my heart was not in a good place. Like I don't like the condition of my heart. You see, When I care too much about things I shouldn't care about, when I react with my words and stuff, I know I need to check my heart. When I don't care enough about the things I should care about, I know I need to check my heart. And Wednesday, I just crashed. And I was so broken. Because I just realized in that moment, been going strong, but at the same time, my heart was drifting from my God. And I didn't like it, and I knew where it was leading. And this morning, as we close, for some, you're in that place too. And this morning is a moment for you to simply do what I did Wednesday morning. And I mean, I did this. I mean, literally, I just got on my knees. And I was pretty just raw with God. God, I, I, I don't like the way that I'm talking to Jenny Reacting to the kids and somehow putting on a smile on Sunday. I have excuses that it's busy and it's intense and I don't have this, but but there's just a criticalness that is bubbling out that I And my heart is far from you, God. I don't want it to be. How's your heart? I mean, like, when you get bumped by life stuff, what what is spilling out? Like, how's your heart? Really? In that moment, I I just started crying out to God. And the beautiful thing is Jesus is all about heart transformation. How amazing is that? That when we cry out and we go, God, our heart isn't where, I, where we want it to be. My heart's not where I want God, would you come? I'm broken about it. Would you heal my heart? Like, he responds to that. And in that moment, it's just the Spirit of God is pouring life back into my heart. For some, that's right where you're at and what you need this morning. And so would you just pray with me? And it might just be the heart response for you that's going to be the biggest thing. Where you just go, God, I don't like where my heart's at. I've drifted. I have a hard heart. I have an anxious heart. I don't like that I don't care about stuff that's happening around the world. I don't like that I can treat those closest to me poorly. God, I want my heart to be all yours. I want my heart to beat with your heart. I want to be a person after your heart. Heavenly Father, would you come? Would you heal my heart? For some, it's a cry of God, would you give me a new heart? Would you meet me in this moment? And would you fill up my soul